Welcome back to another episode of the Everyday Explorer podcast. In this episode, I'm talking to travel blogger Flora Baker about volunteering. We talk about our experiences, good and bad, of giving back around the globe and at home, and how volunteering is one of the best ways to discover the world, even when you're getting involved just a few miles from home. Welcome to the Everyday Explorer podcast, a series that inspires you to discover your doorstep and beyond on a daily basis. This podcast is brought to you by gottakeepmoving.com and I'm your host, Emma Higgins. Welcome back to another episode of the Everyday Explorer podcast. This week I'm joined by Flora Baker. Hi Flora. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Wonderful. Now Flora is a travel writer and blogger. Is that, is that what you normally call yourself? Pretty you? much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who has a wonderful blog called floratheexplorer.com. Um, Would you like to tell us more about it? Sure. Well, basically I've been writing Flora the Explorer for about four years now. Um, and I started writing like most other bloggers do because I didn't want to send the same email to my friends and family back home while I was traveling. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I started writing about four years ago and the blog has evolved since then into a lot of storytelling and basically focusing on volunteering, um, lots of travel in South America, language learning, and mainly just kind of getting in touch with getting involved with the culture that you're traveling with basically wonderful and obviously you've done quite a lot of traveling with that i have yeah a fair bit a fair bit around mm-hmm. the world lots of south america yes uh any other highlights um i spent about six months in asia mainly india and thailand and yeah i can i tend to do a lot of not necessarily weekend travel but now i'm based in london for a while i'm doing my masters at the moment I now kind of tend to take kind of two or three week trips every now and again. So fair places in Europe and yeah. A lot of travelling then. Yes. So now you just briefly mentioned volunteering, which neatly brings us on to the subject we're talking about today. Indeed. Yeah, Flora and I threw a few subjects around to talk about and then we realised we had one in common that uh, was a really obvious choice to talk about. So we landed on that. And that is, of course, volunteering. Mm -hmm. So what kind of experiences have you had volunteering around the world for? A lot of varied. (laughs) Well, they're they're very varied, that's the thing. Like, I I started volunteering probably when I was about 17, 18, doing Duke of Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. This is way back when. But I did the whole, like, visiting um, an an OAP, like, visiting an old person near my school with my best friend, and we absolutely had a blast. It was so bizarre and so much fun. Um, and then I started doing little volunteer projects when I was in my gap year. One at a very bizarre children's camp in Lithuania. And I volunteered at a music festival in Iceland, which was amazing, but again, so strange. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, when I started travelling properly, mainly when I went to Asia for six months, I started doing kind of longer term projects. So I did the first... Oh no, I missed out one. I went to When I went to, to Kenya in my gap year, I did the very, very common go and build a schoolhouse and change the world for yeah. a month. Classic. Yet also <laughs> managed to, to volunteer in an elephant sanctuary mm-hmm. and go skydiving and mm-hmm. all the all the amazing things that are always involved in volunteering with children in schools. <laughs> and that obviously taught me a lot about 
how you need to be very ethically conscious when you volunteer because ultimately a lot of kids who are quite young and want to go to another country think it's a good idea to volunteer rather than just travel Mm -hmm. but by doing that they also want to have fun you know they want to go to Kenya and and experience the fun bits of Kenya not just living in a village and helping kids out so weirdly enough I feel very pious saying it but weirdly enough I didn't really do much of any actual volunteer work like I think I built a house for about half a day and then the rest of it was spent having fun and um I felt really bad because I really wanted to be doing something I knew it wasn't going to make much of a difference but I knew I wanted to help a bit more yeah do a bit more hardcore work and feel like I'd made a commitment in some way Mm. so yeah the other volunteer projects I've done since then over the last decade have been probably a lot more industrious (laughs) I've tried to be anyway I think in my teens I always thought I was going to work for charities I I remember doing bits and pieces Mm. with mainly with conservation and wildlife and that kind of things and some kids stuff which it told me I didn't really like working with children <laughs> that sounds awful but I don't you know it's not for everyone no, but it's not the same as having children or, or being around children like if you're in a position of authority particularly kids who mm. don't understand your language and you don't understand theirs mm. is the most it's a very vulnerable position that you're in like yes. one of the last long-term things I did was teach for I think four months maybe pushing on five months in an Ecuadorian school and I was like a English assistant teacher. Mm. I didn't have any qualification to do it. I was just there for a long time. But because I had quite a lot of, you know, dramatic ways of teaching lessons, some of the teachers decided that I should just take over the classes completely and they could just go and have a nap. Perfect. Um, so I ended up at the front of the classroom having to teach these children and they were horrible to me oh because they didn't care. No. Like, they had their own English class with a teacher who, bear in mind, could barely speak English and her classes were terrible but she was Ecuadorian and she spoke Spanish and she had an authority Mm. to her which I did not have at all and these kids just they they destroyed me they destroyed me I remember an awful situation I went to the back of the class once this annoying little guy just making such oh he was so annoying and he was mocking me like crazy Mm -hmm. and I did I made the cardinal sin of he was speaking Spanish really fast to annoy me and so I just started speaking English really fast back to him <laughs> and I knew as I did it I'm like this is proving that I'm not cut out to be a teacher <laughs> like I'm, I'm falling to his level I should not be doing this it was so annoying <laughs> this oh, is well. a kind of uh, when volunteering goes wrong yes <laughs> yes what you don't do to what volunteer. you don't do so I guess our main point is that is think about it think about your placement before you decide to ultimately decide or think about the qualities that you have that are going to be useful in that situation Definitely. like you can't just and this is something that always really annoys me that people kind of assume that because there's something they're interested in that mm-hmm. therefore they have the skills requisite to impart knowledge in that subject Absolutely. to other people yeah. which is not necessarily true like mm-hmm. i speak english i write i work with words that doesn't mean that i'm legitimately a teacher of the same language to children in yeah or effective at teaching it i think yeah yeah i think um that's something that's really really important and especially when you're volunteering with people that are really really in need and actually really need help sending the right people in that know what they're doing to give them that help effectively and vulnerable people um so children are an, an obvious choice for that yeah. you know i don't know if you should really just let a foreigner just walk into a school and be able to uh, teach someone. Uh, so you, I think, yeah, when pick, when thinking about volunteering anywhere at home 
or abroad just th- just think about the implications of you going into that person's life and if is are you the best person for that placement the problem yeah big. the problem is obviously is that you want to you want to indulge in your passion yeah you when you're traveling you and yeah. you and obviously you feel like the thing i find interesting is because i travel a lot long term obviously that's more normal for me than than being at home mm-hmm. or being in you know in in the place you're familiar in but for people who who are doing volunteering short term mm-hmm. obviously they're doing their normal job in their day-to-day life and they probably don't want to utilize the same skills in a volunteer project so right. you know if you're working in an office in your normal day like maybe you want to volunteer uh i don't know run like a soccer camp or something mm-hmm. in another country or you want to do art projects with kids or you want to um work at a music festival or something mm-hmm. And those kind of things, obviously, they're great, but you, I think you need to be very aware of, of what skills you have for your passion and what skills you have for your trained profession, mm-hmm. because often you can find projects that you will make so much more of an impact with because you already have the skills that they need. Like, I was at a, um, and this is one of the weirdest ones I've ever done, but um, an artificial limb clinic. In... <laughs> I do love this one. Every time I kind of see on your blog that you write about volunteering, uh, there's always the artificial limb thing. It's I'm just... really glad you brought it up because I would have just asked you outright. Can you tell us about the limb thing? Oh, I, can, I can. I mean, but this is again, this is this is the proof that I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, this was a place in La Paz in Bolivia, um, and it is a fantastic organization. It's a. It was set up by an American. I think he's not anything to do with medical training. He just, he was in La Paz. I think he worked there for a while and he realised that the extent to which Bolivians are provided with prostheses, prostheses, um, post-surgery or post-amputation mm-hmm. is really, really, there's, there's barely any people who get prosthetics. If you don't have much money, you, you're guaranteed to not get one. And it's really tragic, particularly because a lot of people in um, Bolivia have really bad experiences with surgeries as well so often they'll people will just you know their, their limbs will go gangrenous or whatever and they'll, they'll lose a limb without really needing to have done mm-hmm. and he set up this ngo essentially and now they build well they train uh bolivians to create the prostheses and then also obviously they they because it's an american-run volunteer organization they end up getting people from all over the globe who are trained in I never know the words for these medical things, but like uh, therapies to do with like we like walking, learning to walk again once you right. have prosthesis, which is fantastic because they don't have many of those people who would work for free, let alone having right. them right. in Bolivia itself, and particularly working with more um, like low wage, low earning uh, Bolivians. So ultimately, I went out there just to help, <laughs> not knowing what on earth I'd be able to do. <laughs> But just my interest was piqued massively by the idea of working in an artificial limb clinic. And, um, Fairly so. Yeah. But so this is where I find it interesting because I gained a lot from that experience because I wanted to write about it and because I wanted to see a really strange little niche of a country I'd already mm-hmm. really started to like love being in. I was in Bolivia for about four months, all told, and, and I, I did a lot of volunteering there and I, I loved the country. But I don't know what people who were just going there to help and not having an extra thing, like wanting to write about it or wanting to learn about it from that angle, would have. Because ultimately, I was working... I don't even know what I did. Like, I worked... <laughs> I helped with their social media. Yeah. I started setting up their Facebook page and got kind of more stuff going on social media. And that was utilising a skill that I've learned through blogging anyway. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even a trained thing, but it was a skill that I had to offer. Yeah. But when I was working there, I was with, there was an English guy there who was a 
therapist for helping people to walk again. I don't know what the word is. Physiotherapist. Physiotherapist. There you go. I knew I had it. Well, you had it. Um, we got it together. Don't we did. Worry. Yeah. He obviously, you know, he works in that field in England. Mm-hmm. He works with footballers, and he was donating his time and his mm-hmm. extensive amount of um, training mm-hmm. that he'd gone through previously to do this. Because he wanted to learn about Bolivia and he felt that it was a good idea to be utilising the skills that he had from home. Yeah. Um, if you turned up with absolutely no skills in therapies, you were basically helping one of the technicians to make moulds of feet. Which is great. I was going to say, that's, that sounds pretty interesting. I, I mean, it you're is. learning a new skill. Yeah. So could someone do that better than you? It's a bit... And because it's a very, yeah. you know, it's a very delicate project it yes, was working yeah. with with helping people to walk and you don't want to do that wrong yeah no you, know, you don't, don't want to drop want to somebody either. who's only got one leg and hasn't learned to use it yet you know yeah. it's it's tricky mm-hmm. i think that kind of shows as well the your that completely bizarre story it shows that there's just such a wide range of placements that you can you know help out with mm-hmm. so volunteering was how i started traveling for the first maybe two years of volunteering uh, sorry traveling i was volunteering yeah and to be honest, basically on a completely selfish note, it saved me so much money. And that's why yes. it kind of gave me a means to travel. Yes. <laughs> the first one I did, I volunteered on a dairy farm in Canada for See that? Months. I automatically want to do and know Love about that. And, Love yeah. that. I still come out with weird like cheese facts. Or I'm like, oh, yes, <laughs> I've made this cheese in Canada before. Is this goat's cheese? I've made this. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I did a lot in South America. I mean, I went to South America for seven months and tried to spend as little as possible which is easy in south america but i still really i did not have enough money so i worked you know i volunteered in hostels i just had a for a free bed i did a few hours in a hostel uh i worked in a dog shelter in peru that was one of my favorites was that what i really love dogs um i can't for the life of me remember where it is now north north top north corner okay one of my favorites was i worked on a vineyard in spain for 10 days actually i just had a spare 10 days and no money because <laughs> uh, I was teaching and lived in Barcelona, which basically means that you just drink all your money. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So I you chose to work at a vineyard so where you obviously wouldn't yeah. drink your money. Uh, well, let's go back to I know my skills, <laughs> and my skills are a wine drinker. There you go. I'm being a wine drinker, so obviously I just took them up to a vineyard. Yeah, I just disappeared into the Pyrenees, worked at a vineyard. The two people that own it, the American guy and a Spanish woman. So even things like that just prove that there are so many different things you can do. So although we're talking about having to be qualified for your positions, there's going to be something that anyone, everyone can volunteer. It's just about finding the right thing. There is exactly. something out there for you. For it's making everyone. a connection between things you're passionate about, things you're skilled at, and a place that you want to be. Mm-hmm. And something I think something that piques your interest ultimately is, is always... Because, yeah, you can do something very obvious like teaching English or you can do something very bizarre like making feet (laughs) Uh, and either one could be your perfect project like (laughs) yeah um yeah yeah. you'll find something you love if (laughs) Flora managed to make feet in Bolivian blanket I I baked one in an oven it was great Oh, the weirdest, the weirdest volunteering story I've ever heard, I think. <laughs> I'm going to try and beat it. That's my next challenge, is to try and find a different one. Yeah. It's just as weird. 
Yeah, so we've obviously talked about all the wild adventures you've had in far-flung corners, but there are still, there are so many things that you can do at home. So if you're listening to this and thinking, well, this is all well and good, but I just don't really have that much time, and how can I bring this into my everyday life? There's so much you can do. An example um, from my beginnings in charity work is that I used to work at Warwickshire Wildlife Trust, volunteered at Warwickshire Wildlife Trust maybe once or twice a month. And that was an amazing way actually for to get a free ride around my county. And yeah, discover, discover new parts of Warwickshire, which is where I grew up, that I'd never been to before. Met all sorts of people. They're all like lovely bird watchers, are the kind oh, of people that I met. Fantastic. <laughs> so it wasn't necessarily people that um, were from particularly different cultures to my own, but definitely interesting people. There are definitely things that you can do closer to home that kind of give you that sense of adventure or just allow you to discover things that um, you would never have discovered otherwise have you had any experiences like that flora yeah about 10 years ago i guess i started volunteering at crisis at christmas which is a homeless organized well crisis is a homeless charity homeless ngo and every single christmas over about a week's period where most of the hostels in the uk or in london anyway most of the hostels close they set up kind of impromptu shelters in schools in office buildings um various buildings that aren't going to be used over christmas period and they set up an amazing resource for the homeless population of London to be able to eat and have like haircuts and podiatry appointments and dentists and opticians and just have a lot of time to kind of interact with people again and feel like they're cared for and feel like they're important and that they matter mm-hmm. and I can't remember why I first started volunteering there but I've been going back every single year that I've been in London since so about seven years worth now and the thing is now I can't imagine not caring about that part of mm-hmm. the world. I find it so unbelievably important and I'm a massive champion of talking about the homeless situation across the world, not just in England, but obviously mm-hmm. I have much more interaction with it in England. And it's something that I do think is incredibly important with volunteering is, is consciously or unconsciously, you end up caring so much about the particular pocket of social that you... particular pocket of like social life, social interaction that you focus on in that project. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's led by your passion. I think if you're not really sure what kind of volunteering you could do closer to home, always start with thinking, thinking, okay, what do I love? What do I love doing? Or mm. who are the people that I want to connect with to care about? And um, or what do I want to learn more about maybe? As yeah, well, exactly. Is quite good. Yeah. And if you treat that really as a method of discovery, because going to, you know, traveling yourself all over the world is you know, I'm, I'm going to encourage everyone to do that. But you can also discover so much about the world just by listening to people's stories. Definitely. I think story, that's such a big thing. And especially, and I, I imagine you've heard some pretty great stories through working with homeless people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably some, like, oddball stories and some... Some of them are definitely not true. <laughs> yeah. Like, but you can of... indulge them. Yes, <laughs> yes, you can, you can. Tectonic plates under the Thames, I don't think, is legitimate. And neither is the Queen's Corgis, A, talking and B, making friends with this particular man's dog who could also talk. Wow. Yeah, they're not, they're not true. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they're very interesting to talk about and hear and, and indulge. Like, again, I think that's really important is you're, you're connecting with people who are outside of your normal circle, yeah. your normal social circle. And that, I think, is only a positive thing. Like, you just hear and interact with people who 
you would never normally have mm-hmm. a huge conversation mm-hmm. with or time with. And if you're, sometimes you're sitting in a room, I overthink these things, but sometimes you're sitting in a place with, with people and you think, God, if I wasn't doing this project, there's no reason why I'd ever see you or talk to yeah. you. And, and now we're connecting and that's just making impacts to my life that I might not know now, but in a decade it might make a massive difference. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, exactly. And I think that's just, there's so many elements. I know that travel, I think, if you think of travel just as going to different places, then it can be like a one, a kind of a one trick pony. But yeah. if you also think of travel, as I'm going to say so many times through this podcast, so just <laughs> get, get everyone get used to this, but it's about discovery. It's about learning new things about the world. Definitely. It's about broadening your perspective of the world. I mean, and volunteering is a great way to do that because mm. all the, all the things that you're going to learn and understand more about the world, just from listening to, to people's stories and connecting, like you said, with people that you would never would have connected with before. Very much. So that's really, there's such a strong element of travel, even volunteering at home. So the burning question is that, for me, for Flora, is that you've done quite a lot of work in Calais recently. I spent a week um, at the refugee camps in Calais in January. I mean, I wouldn't say the the most bizarre way of volunteering or, or topic of volunteering, but definitely the most politically charged mm, and yeah, the most... Very... Current, yeah. yeah, and and the thing that I found with that, particularly drawing on the experiences I've had before, is I wasn't. It's difficult. I wasn't as shocked as a lot of people there mm-hmm. were because I've spent time in not similar situations, but I've I've been around people who suffer as a regular basis more than I do, mm-hmm. and. It's a tricky thing to talk about because obviously, I mean, I, I don't spend my time working in humanitarian crises and I don't um, actively pursue those kind of projects. But working in Calais was incredibly enlightening because it reminded me just how many people actually care. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I think is incredibly important to do with volunteering. And I, I've talked to some people since coming back and they've said, well, how much difference can one person really make? And it drives me crazy because mm. you, of course you can make a difference. Yeah. Like maybe not by slapping some cement on a wall in Kenya, but if you're one person and you decide to go and do something to help someone else, you will make a difference to that one person who you've helped out. Whether it's by actively doing something with them, like helping mm-hmm. to put their tent up or, or hammering in nails in the shelves that they haven't finished making yet. Mm-hmm. Or if it's just having a bit of a chat. Yeah. And then they feel like one more person cares. Like we were doing um, like rubbish collection in the camp on one day that I was there. Um, basically, when I was volunteering, I, w- I spent most of my week in the warehouse, which was just sorting through donations of clothes and shoes and bits and pieces and just kind of boxing them all up so we could send them out to the camp later. I didn't yeah. go into camp much. Mm-hmm. But when I was there, we were doing, me and about four other English girls were doing some rubbish collection. And walking around the camp is, you know, absurd because there's so much stuff and rubbish that people don't want to be living in mm-hmm. and we did feel a little bit disheartened because we just thought well this isn't going to make any difference like what's the point mm-hmm. and one of the girls I was with bless her she was so young and she completely hit the nail on the head she said well ultimately maybe it's not about the fact that we're collecting rubbish maybe it's just the fact that every single day people who are living in this camp are noticing that there's different faces who are picking up garbage mm-hmm. which therefore would hopefully indicate to them that there's just an inf- infinite amount of people who actually care yeah, yeah. And, and want to help out. Like, yeah. even if what they're doing isn't very much, they are illustrating the fact that they care. Mm-hmm. And for people in that situation in Calais, I think that's really, really necessary. Absolutely. They're very, very scared. They're very dehumanised. They're being treated 
as criminals for mm. getting away from places where they were going to be killed. Yeah. It's it's very, very disheartening. And I think the psychological impact of everything that's happening in Calais is is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. And so any kind of dent you can make just by appearing yeah. and making people understand that English people care or French people care or people who aren't in their situation care yeah. is very important. Yeah, definitely. And just anything that makes someone's life just... 10% easier yeah exactly in, in a day I mean that there's, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that and I think because this is such a yeah like you say charged topic at the minute and it's really affecting places all over the world that these people are are coming into and starting to settle in our countries I uh, had a little gander on the British Red Cross mm-hmm. website and, and saw that they are looking for volunteers skilled volunteers I will express that <laughs> um to kind of help help these refugees settle in these new surroundings and i guess kind of yeah just kind of get used to new things it's things like uh, getting in contact with the nhs and little little bits uh, there's obviously definitely more um skill jobs like interpreters and things like that so if you do speak another language that's something to consider as well yeah like farsi or arabic but also the and what i do know of particularly if you're i mean if you use social media a lot there's so many facebook groups dedicated to like calais solidarity and mm-hmm. um just kind of contact with the refugee situation and the network because obviously mm-hmm. the route is is huge that most refugees are coming through yeah and it affects a lot of european countries mm-hmm. but one of the things that is actually very in need and very easy to do is just being a befriender it's just yeah. getting in touch with the local organization that is who that, who's in touch with refugees who are coming to that area so literally just looking on your council website probably or looking for ngos that are based in the area that you live mm-hmm. and just finding out if there are communities of people who've recently arrived here and probably don't speak the language very well or just don't have many people to talk to yeah and just saying do you want to meet up for a coffee like yeah. it is as simple as that and then you hear these insane stories from these people and then you give them somebody they can connect with yeah. and that they can feel actually cares again which I think is really important yeah really important and really special like that's a very privileged position to be in I think exactly if you can be that person for someone that's that's pretty it's pretty cool and it might not make much difference to you mm. doing it but it will yeah. make such a big difference for them yeah just to make things a little bit easier because these people I just can't even imagine nope. the things that they've seen so yeah so I mean that's especially I guess this year and, and the next few years I think it'll go on <laughs> for a while <laughs> yeah it's not yeah. just a blip <laughs> it's not just a bump in the road mm-hmm. that's one subject if you really you know I did wildlife work and things like that there are very easy positions that you can do volunteering but if you want something that's really current and really kind of desperately does need anyone's help Mm. it's definitely having a look at what you can do in your local area with um refugees and i think little bits and pieces like that if you do kind of the odd day here and there it can really help you gear up for you know your two weeks away maybe you're going to book two or three weeks off work or something and that's when you kind of go to some far-flung destination and decide to do something else but it kind of will prepare you for the things especially if you're doing if you do a refugee um volunteering every now and then back home that could kind of yeah prepare you for a lot of things that you could see all over the world okay so what do you think would be your advice to someone who's starting out uh, kind of dabbling with the idea of volunteering at home or away i think probably the first thing is what we've already mentioned which is working out something that you would want to be doing in a different country I think that that's the biggest thing not what country or or how long for whatever but just 
the things that you feel you'd be passionate about doing when no one was paying you to and where you'd actively be taking time out of your life to do it. Mm-hmm. So I've, you know, I've done that with, with a lot of different things, mainly to do with like teaching kids or working in orphanages, which I do not think is a good idea anymore. <laughs> um, or just very, you know, very bizarre situations. But it's always, I've always looked at the actual job description, as it were, mm-hmm. first and, and thought to myself, okay, can I see myself doing this for, for five days or two months? Yeah. Or whatever it is. And I think that's really important. Um, secondly, is if you're going to volunteer through an organisation, I think you need to be very careful about who you volunteer with. Extremely careful. Cannot stress that <laughs> enough. <laughs> so if there's money being... In, if you have to pay somebody, then that is automatically a red flag, I think. Mm-hmm. But only because you have to work out where that money's going. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think that's very key because there's a lot of... And it, I mean, I understand why, but there's a lot of companies that actively siphon off your money for the sake of we'll provide you with in-country support and, mm-hmm. and uh, like, localised help and blah, blah, blah. And, and there's a lot of fluff words that really, to be honest, don't mean anything. <laughs> no, they mean nothing. Because ultimately, if, if you're confident enough to go to another country, you're probably confident enough to call an ambulance in that country if you need one or be able to ask someone for yeah, help pe- or advice. People are going to help you. People are going to help you. Yeah. Um, particularly if you're working with a company, a good organisation of yeah. any kind, be it, you know, a three-man NGO or a global... Uh, charity, whatever it is, is going to be somebody who helps you. But I think working out the ethics of the company that you're with, if you're going with a company, is is very important because you're kind of giving yourself to them. Yeah. And I think it can be... It's a very strange dynamic that people are willing to offer their time for free and then a company is like, great, so that'll be $10. And you're like, well, hang on, why? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm giving you something. Why are you also taking more? Yeah. Why are you taking cash as well as time? Yeah. So... I think I understand why they want money. Like they need to support the companies they're working, the the on the ground companies who mm-hmm. they're working with. But it's often not necessary. Yeah, I've never I've never paid for any volunteering. Good for you. <laughs> I do work exchange placements. So HelpX, I think it's HelpX.net. I think and Workaway. Go, go, yeah, and Workaway.info. I think they. Nice. I never remember the end. <laughs> yeah. I just remember the. Name. I think that's it. But those. But they, I mean, Google, Google it if you're listening. I'm sure you've heard. Google. But those are the two that I use, and they're really great. And those are the just people like the vineyard people. They just needed extra hands. I smashed down a wall. Over three days, that was my job. And it was quite nice, actually, because Jesse, the guy, the American guy who owns the farm, he just said, you look like you could smack down a wall. <laughs> Never done this before in my life, but he, you know, he trusted me. And I did. I did. It was very, very therapeutic. I'm sure. After teaching children for seven months in Barcelona, it was really... Got to get that energy out somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, these people do actually, you know, they want help and they need help and it's very welcome and... and and in exchange, you get to stay in, in pretty wonderful places. So those placements, you know, there's, a, there's definitely a dark side of volunteering, but it's not all dark. There's a big, shiny light side as well. Lots of lights. <laughs> Lots of lights. Everywhere. It's just it's just a case of thinking about it. Just think about it. Think about the implications of definitely. what you're doing. Yeah. What advice would you give to people who want to start volunteering at home? Start off looking at of the internet that's the best thing by far it's a wonderful wonderful thing yeah I didn't that's how we're getting this conversation out this is very true I don't think I would have I would have found the opportunities I had if I hadn't been using the internet to be fair (laughs) Um, all of them yeah without without exception but yeah I think if you're going to volunteer at home 
you should probably look at charities that may have a volunteering arm to them or looking at the local council's websites and and seeing how they work with particular organizations that's also going to do it also again main things like work away like they have they have True, places exactly. everywhere i was looking around the uk ones recently yeah and yeah and it's a really good way to again meet people and just see your country mm-hmm. in a different way in terms of very very quick little volunteer projects i mean they're not even kind of projects it's just like helping out somewhere for a few hours of your day or something mm-hmm. but again with that is looking at the things you're passionate about so for instance there's a lot of homeless charities who who do you know kind of they run soup kitchens in the evenings like twice a week or they go and hand out socks and hats and soup to mm-hmm. people who are sleeping rough mm-hmm. and that's a really good way to start because you can do a little bit of help and then realize that actually there's something else a bit more long term that you could you could work at, for instance, Crisis of Christmas, and then you might end up wanting to go to Calais. So it's like a nice kind of journey through the process, and it's obviously yeah. less shocking and less less big to deal yeah. with. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think kind of dip your toe into the yeah, just see how just it see feels. how you get on yeah. because because if you do that, you know, once or twice a month for a day or two, then. It's an, it's an easy way, actually, to start eliminating the things that you think, actually, this isn't really for me. Well, yeah. Like, I didn't do training for teaching because I <laughs> I think I always knew that I didn't really want to do it. <laughs> I just... I thought it was a really good vehicle to spend five months living in Ecuador. So yeah. I did it. And then I was like, nope, never again. <laughs> so if you see me volunteering to teach English again, tell me no. Like, it's just... Why are you doing not this? Not a good idea. <laughs> I'm too selfish with my time, weirdly enough. Like, yeah. I, I didn't want to make lesson plans in the evening. I wanted to write. True. So yeah. that made my life. And that's fair, that's fair. You're allowed, allowed exactly. to think of yourself and volunteering as well. Yeah, can't all be giving. 100%. <laughs> and, and I think the biggest thing I guess I want to leave people with is to, even though you could be volunteering down the road at Soup Kitchen, which I, I'm just going to say, it, people probably don't think it's very glamorous. You would think being whisking away to Asia to go and work somewhere is a little bit more glamorous. But treat, treat it as an adventure. Get your mindset in the right place I think for you know going there and think these are still this is still a place I don't really know that well this is still people I don't really know that well and that's I think where the discovery lies is in the people that you can meet at home exactly and plus if you're doing something in your own country you understand the language and the (laughs) culture and the customs because that is such a shock like the first time I ever went to work at Quirosis I was terrified Mm -hmm. like I'd spoken to maybe you know a handful of homeless people on the street before then you know bought some coffee for some people but Mm -hmm. never had a conversation Mm -hmm. and I had no idea what was going to happen and I was sent down to the canteen just to you know go and collect plates and all I could think was what do I do if someone engages me in conversation like what do I say I don't know how to talk to people here this is so bizarre <laughs> yeah and then it was fine you know mm-hmm. I ended up with a conversation about some guy's talking dog it was fine it was weird but it was fine yeah and I think the more of these kind of things you do the more you understand that everybody has similarities and irreconcilable differences but <laughs> a lot of similarities yeah and if you're doing things at home then you you see it in the simplest sense, like you don't have to worry about a language barrier or a culture yeah. barrier. You can just access the strangeness of this new world that you didn't know before and then build on that by having a foreign language in the mix or having, yeah. you know, really oppressive heat in the mix or whatever it is, like in a different country. But I think it, you know, I think it really does help if you start off volunteering in your own country first. Yeah, there's just so much opportunity, mm. so much. I guess you've got plenty of volunteering articles on your website. I do. Explorer.com forward slash volunteering. There we go. Perfect. (laughs) Um, Fantastic. So if you want to learn more, that is the place to go. 
because this girl's an expert. So I do try. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Flora. Thank you. Us. It was wonderful. Go out and volunteer. That's please do. It's please fantastic. Do. It will change your life. Hopefully. <laughs> Thanks. Visit gottakeepmoving.com forward slash podcast to read through our episode notes and learn more about our experiences of volunteering around the world. Check the bottom of the notes to find a link to a post Flora wrote on her website called Volunteering with Children Abroad, The Issues You Should Know. This is packed full of information, advice and food for thought if you're thinking of helping children through volunteering. That's gottakeepmoving.com forward slash podcast.